Hello nerds and nerdwells, and welcome back to another episode of the Adventurers Anonymous Podcast. The home of improvised fantasy, fuck nuggetry. Come join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks sip cocktails, play Dungeons and Dragons, and seek a glorious death. As ever this week, we have a bumper episode crammed full of the usual role-playing goodness that you know and love. However, if there is indeed a line of common decency, I'm fairly sure I accidentally scuttled over it this week. All I'm going to say is, if you're afraid of spiders, shit may get real for you. Even Chanel had to step out for a little breather. Now then, let's not forget that the content from here on in is not suitable for little ears. It's mostly improvised and entirely inappropriate. Listener discretion, as always, is advised. Especially in this episode. My god, yes. Keep this episode out of the ears of the elderly, the innocent, and the newly pregnant. It may cause heart palpitations, impotency, and excessive sweating. Mileage may vary for external use only. And remember, always consult your doctor before listening. So, without further ado, go grab yourself a drink, put your chair closer to the fire, and come join Chris, Matt, Shan, and myself for this week's episode of the Adventurers Anonymous Podcast. Please enjoy. Look at that! We're live, quite by accident. And I've got a giant mosquito flying around the room. That's not going to get annoying at all. <laughs> Die. Uh, right. The first death we've had on the podcast. The first death of the podcast. Yeah. I don't think it is. We've had a few things. The otters died. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think that's slightly different. Those are fictional deaths. Unless. Yeah. Oh, it's true. The, ot- the otters died through gross negligence. It's true. It's true. Right. As we kick off. Uh, it's good we have a recap because it's been a hot moment since Chanel has joined us. Uh, and we should also have a very quick Q&A because probably quite a lot of the storyline has moved along since Shan was last here. So without further ado, Matt, who is our sponsor? Um, we're, we're sponsored by uh, The Rain. The Rain. The Rain has sponsored us. It came to my window. The, the Rain of our Queen and Monarch. Elizabeth. No, like the water that falls from the sky. Oh, like the water that falls from the yeah. sky. Well, there's a lot of that around here. Don't you start with that royalist bullshit. That's a very subdued sponsor. Are you okay? The rain spoke to me. The rain told me to give it... I don't know. I can't think of anything. I'm not Lewis. There you go. Right. And on that, what what are you drinking? Like pure ethanol? What are you like... Uh, this is a, a cocktail which I've just created with... Um... Fuck me, Yes. What, what's in your cocktail you've just created? It's one-third coffee liqueur, uh, one-third rum, and, and one-third milk, and it's comprised entirely of things that I found in the cupboard. Yay! Half of the milk, which was in the fridge. I was going to say, <laughs> if it was milk out of the cupboard, I'd be slightly slightly more concerned. It could be UHT. Yeah. So we're saying one-third coffee liqueur, one-third rum, and one-third UHT. Oh, and, uh, and dried coconut sprinkled on top. As if it wasn't white enough, you're just going to make it even whiter. Right. Whatever, right. And, uh, Caucasian what... Cocktail 101. <laughs> well, possibly. What, what are we calling this little beauty that you've whipped up? Um, TBC? ATBC? Yeah, it's a TBC. Oh, it's a TBC. You're one of those TBCs, you'll say to your barkeeper. Okay, it's a TBC. There you go. For all of our listeners. 
And I want TBC. <laughs> TBC cocktail. Oakley McScrotally. Right, let's have a quick recap before we lose any more listeners. Right, here we go. Last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they had found themselves exploring an underground cave network. The more they investigated it, the more they became sure that they were not alone down there in the damp depths. Maud was also aware that she had had to leave Marvin, the pygmy goat, with two strangers in the cave entrance, as there was no way the goat was going to be able to survive the underwater swim that they'd had to undertake just to enter the cave network. Goats can Throwing swim. Throwing caution to... Say what now? Goats can swim. Can goats breathe underwater, though? Given special scuba gear, yes. Well, this is why you should never leave your goat unattended. This is what happens. Right. Throwing caution to the wind, they decided to push deeper underground, with the adventuring party opting to send Cato the Crow ahead of them to scout. Sadly, much to Belsiar's dismay, he never came back. This left them with few options but to push on themselves. Not too much further ahead in the subterranean passage, they heard noises and took cover. Slowly stepping out of the shadows came something that none of them were prepared for. The form of a half-man, half-fish, a kuatoa. The lank, greasy body of a man with the head of a fish. Huge, bulbous yellow eyes and a mouthful of small, sharp teeth. This was, it appeared, some kind of fisherman, and he was fixing his net. Deciding that straight-up murder was perhaps not the best idea, they opted to follow the Kuatoa and soon stumbled upon a whole community of them living in the cave network. How quaint! An underground village of fish people! Unfortunately, any illusions of such were shattered when a young man was brought out of a hut by a priest and sacrificed in a drowning pool in the village centre. Gathering on the edge of the village, the party watched the hustle and bustle of Kuatoa life closely. It was at this point that they saw the captured form of Kato being carried through the village as the bird was loudly swearing at everyone and anything in protest. Flomming a plan, the party opted to help Belsiard disguise himself as one of the fish people, and this worked to some degree of success but left him looking more like a sardine than a shark. He did, however, make his way into the village to investigate, but was soon surrounded by Kuatoa children, who made fun of him and alerted the village elders about this new freak. Belsiar soon found himself in the village witch doctor's shack, being prodded and poked. Tati, meanwhile, watched this all unfold, and opted to sneak into the back of the village with Lady <coughs> Barbara and see what had become of Kato finally finding the crow in what appeared to be a village school as a bunch of small hatchlings sat around on a rug as the teacher showed off the crow prodding and poking him too. And that is where we're going to pick up this week's episode. That clearly makes no sense to Maud. I I know about the fish people. You know about the fish people? Yeah. Is that because I told you about them while we were eating fish and chips? Yes. Shout out to the name Kuatoa. Nice uh, nice little spin on Ukatoa from Critical Role. I had to uh, dig around on the arse end of the D&D monster manual to find some interesting things that might live in the bottom of a cave. Hmm. I, do have, I do have one or two questions, actually. Um, we, I don't think that we have had a long rest since the, um, the fight with the orcs at the, um, the house by the river. Um, I think we might have got a short rest because I remember using hit dice, but I don't think we got a long rest. Uh, I just want to confirm that, make sure that I'm right. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly not since we went down the like, 
because I seem to I seem to remember. I don't think you have either. I seem to remember us saying to saying to the people in that house, "Hey, yeah, thanks, thanks for everything. You know, we saved you. Do you mind if we have a quick rest?" And then Aristobulus went and like pissed in some bushes or something and pissed them off really badly. So um, I don't think we got we didn't get a long rest. He started an infestation of pumpkins. I think the piss the lady off. Yeah, I just wanted to. I just wanted to check. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you've had a long rest either, because you were supposed to be having the long rest when you were woken up by the orcs. Hmm. Yeah. So no, no long rests for you. Cool. You're also balls deep in a uh, fish people primary school. That's probably the wrong expression to use. No, at least you said fish people. You, you, you've currently uh, inserted yourself into a into a little shoal. Of fish people, whilst the crow is getting prodded and poked and and used as a lesson in a biology lesson for uh, little Kuatoa children, and uh, just to, just to make life easier, I made you a map. Yay! Yay! Map time. Because you know, no D and D session would be the same without a map. So I made you a little map. You can thank um... me later. It's a good point as well, now I think about it. Um, we've got Hanash and Aristobulus, who are not here with us. Um, Matt, who do you, do you want? Hanash, or do you want Aristobulus? It's it's completely up to you. Um, can I take Hanash for a change? Of course you can. I was about to say that maybe a non-spellcaster would be good for you, because it might just make everything more complicated if yeah. you get both of them. Ooh, yeah. There you go. There's a map. Yes. Oh, now with the with the unlimited power of two screens, I can actually look at it. Ah. <laughs> uh, you are in the top left-hand corner. Also, I read the name Shaman as Seaman just now, which shows you how tired I am. Uh, You're in the top left-hand corner of the map. This is a cave. Well, this is an opening in the cave where the community of fish people are you can see all the various huts that are moved around the place you have marked out places of interest such as the uh shaman's hut where uh you saw the young man dragged out of you can see the drowning pool in front of it you can see the doctors at the top where uh belcr currently finds himself and uh, the school to the right hand side where um Tatty and Barbara find themselves camped outside, trying to find Kato. Maud, you and Hanash are in the uh, top left-hand corner, where Aristobulus was coming back to join you, I believe. Aristobulus managed to get a leech on his genitals, and there was a particularly tense moment where Tatty had to de-leech him <laughs> using a dagger. I had to de-leech his balls. You had to de-leech an old man's balls. I have a question. Yes. You go to the top left-hand corner, come yes. down. So it's like a broken building. And then to the right of that, what is that? Is that a twig, a staff, a stick, or what? <laughs> oh, right. That's a good question. Right. So one thing that I probably should have uh, recapped a little bit better is the fact uh, this village is mostly made out of driftwood and things that the Kuatoans have found washed up on the shore of the beach outside. So everything's a little bit sea shanty. So, yeah, distributed around the place are planks, branches, things like that, uh, and just 
basic broken bits of uh, shell, fishing nets, masts, things like that. There's various bits of sail flapping around, and then just the occasional large stone. The green and red things that you can see pebble-dashed around the map are actually giant fungi, which are about the only thing that will grow down here in the dark and warm depths. So there's little forests of magical fungi. Excellent. Okay. I'd like to um, pick up the piece of driftwood that I just outlined. You can sneak in there if you want. You're in the top left-hand corner of the map. So, Maud, sneaking forward, you uh, you see in front of you where that house was. There were there were a bunch of small children, little hatchlings. I'm going to call them who were all playing a game of football, kicking a porpoise around. But when uh, Belsiar wandered into the village with his crazy little sardine head, they all skittered off to make fun of him. So, yeah, you can, uh, Maud, you, you push forward into, what is it? Uh, a bit of a run-down shanty, push to little driftwood cabin, and, and uh, you find a large, almost staffed made of driftwood. Yeah, I'll say that. The, the children have gone. They've skittered off. Uh, they, they, they hung around the middle looking at the uh, drowning of the young man. The young man's body is currently um, slumped on the side of the drowning pool where you get the feeling lots of people have been ritualistically drowned in that drowning pool. Well, they don't call it a drowning pool because it's got ducks in it. Well, I, I learned to swim in a drowning pool. I got my puffin badge. <laughs> the wits of a drowning pool. I don't think it's the uh, same kind of drowning pool, though. That's why I used to think. I used to hate it. Little Lido in Buckinghamshire. I mean, any pool can be a drowning pool if you're unambitious enough. A puddle could be a drowning pool if you can't swim. <laughs> exactly. Can we put that on a t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Puddle safety. <laughs> right, Maud, is that what you're doing? You're casing the joint out, picking up bits of driftwood, are you? Yeah. You're going to make some stuff for Etsy? Um, gonna make a little, like... I'm going to make small um, fish people voodoo dolls. Mm. Okay. Seems legit. As, as Maud comes back holding armfuls of shells, driftwood, and uh, bits of rope and sail that she's on, you you start making weird effigies, as, as I'm sure Hanash and Aristobulus stand and look on in amazement at what you're doing. Right, what would Tati, uh, Belsiar, what do you fancy? Um, so me and Barbara are just outside the school, right? Yes. Okay. Um, can I see roughly how many fish, fish children, fish people are in the, the room that we can see? Because we know that. Fishlings. 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 There you go. Thank you, Maud. Fishlings. So um, as you look over the edge um, of one of the kind of, I don't know why you'd need a window in a in a driftwood shanty school, but hey, there's windows in there, you know, to let sunlight in. Uh, oh. As you look in, you see this, this isn't, we're a long way from the wizard's sleeve. This is like very basic school is teaching very rudimentary things and it's very much a junior school there doesn't appear to be some huge academic hierarchy in this community as you see maybe uh 20 little fish fingers and a overworked and underpaid elderly fish 
And uh, the teacher is the one that's holding Kato. Yes. As Kato is, you just hear his, his protest as he's like, you will unhand me right now. You, yeah. As, as uh, you see the teacher like lifting his wing out and showing all of his primary feathers as the teacher just yoinks out a feather as you hear Kato screaming, how dare you disrobe me? Put me down right now. Um, I'm going to, while me and Barbara are hiding outside, um, I'm going to just tug on my shoulder a little bit. Um, Right. Thank God you finished that. Yep. Tug on my shoulder a little bit and go, Gaspard. (laughs) There's a little shuffling from your bag. As Gaspard, dragging their pulsating egg sack, comes onto your shoulder as you hear a little voice say, Is it time, my friend? I say, uh, it's time to it's time to go on an adventure, Gaspard. Oh, I've waited my entire life for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna just gesture to where Cato is, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say, how do you fancy going in there and causing a distraction? I like the idea of this very much. I think maybe this is a suicide mission, but it has been a pleasure knowing you, my little friend. Well, I mean, you could go in and just start. Just if you you know, I gesture to the pulsating egg sack um, and I say it depends how you know how overcooked you think you are right now if you think you're 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 fit to burst in then I think that will distract these 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 hatchlings and and underpaid fish teacher uh, enough to get Kato out of there are you asking me to prematurely birth my children so that I'm asking I'm asking if 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 it would be prematurely birthing them if it is Consider the conversation. Consider that that avenue closed, and we won't. We won't. Oh no! no I was due for my twenty-week scan at the prison that you took me out of. I had private healthcare. I I find it very hard to believe that there was decent healthcare at that prison. Um, well, they, listen, they, my they almost gave Hanash a job. So, <laughs> listen, my friend, you raised me from the dead. I was dead with that crow. He said, "My life." So, I think maybe I need to get even. Okay. As he says, hold my beer, as he hands you a little beer bottle. (laughs) As you see him basically go sort of sneak in, he scuttles along the window ledge. You just see him. He's somewhere between, imagine the beginning of Goldeneye with Pierce Brosnan. If Pierce Brosnan leapt off the top of the dam, holding on to like a sack of golf balls, (laughs) as he basically just... He's like Santa Claus, but with... with Spider eggs. Yeah. As um, you see him scuttle off and you see him like weaving in and out, uh, like across the floor, like in and around little stools and things like that. Um, As he looks back at you and like just raises one little leg up to his head and gives you a salute. I, um, I do the same thing. I give him like a formal like an unnecessarily formal military salute that I've not done since like, <laughs> since like Tati was actually in the military. Like this is, if he's going for an honorable death, I'm going to honor it. I'm also very much like, no one's getting left behind today, soldier. Do you do the thing where you like slap your heels together? And then salute? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the really formal, formal gnome. Do you mean come to attention rather yeah. than, the way you described that made it sound like um, oh, river dance. 
Like but Michael I, Flatley. That's what I, that's yeah, what I in, in my mind, it was simple. And then I wondered whether I'd gone too far and it became a Nazi salute. But... <laughs> oh, I see. There's a fine line between the Nazi salute and Alan Shearer's goal celebration. Like, you know, many people have, have <laughs> towed that line very, very, very finely. Very successfully. So you know, let's say we're let's say we're on the right side of fascism because we're in a fantasy universe and we can make our own rules. Let's say correct side of fascism, just in case. <laughs> just in case someone's looking at the political spectrum, like, mm, not sure this is the, not sure this is the podcast for me. You'd be you'd be surprised. This podcast is a big hit in Westminster. Oh, done. Right, done. As we're going to leave the Suicide Squad there, and we're going to pan. We're going to quickly pan over the top of Maud, who's currently whittling small effigies of fish people out of uh, whalebone, driftwood, rigging, sail. Are you full on MacGyvering something? I am. Excellent. Right, we'll leave you with the sound of, like, wailing and gnashing of teeth of Hanash and Aristobulus. And we're going to get to Belsia, who's currently in a witch doctor's hovel, we're going to call it. And uh, you, with your little sardine head, are currently getting prodded and poked. Uh, what, 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 what are you doing? Um, I'm getting prodded and poked. He's, 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 he's. You, you get the feeling you're not far off the prostate examination. He's gone through all of the kind of prerequisites to it. Um, and there's only one witch doctor. There's only one witch doctor that you've seen. It's a much older-looking wizened fish, and he's got various um, piercings through his lips and gills, and uh, he's got a staff with a giant bronze fish on top. Brass mm. bronze. Um, does he look... I mean, I'm guessing he's not, like, a really hench fish that could... Could could, could I take him, in other words? Make me a, make me a uh, perception check. Let's see... First roll of the night. Uh, 11 plus 3, 14. 14. You look at him, and as he comes in to... Um, he puts a lollipop stick on your tongue. I mean, the lollipop stick's made out of driftwood. Let's not make any bones about it. As, as you cough, you just hold his bicep and you squeeze. And you estimate that he can probably... Eh, he can probably lift uh, 150k. You know, he's uh, he's that wiry kind of strong man. He's the guy who doesn't look like he should be strong, but when you see him in the gym, he's able to, like, push some metal around. Someone's been watching Bosch. Someone's been watching Bosch. Back like a bag of rope. Let's see. Um, can I just jabber at him and then try and walk out? You want to jabber at him yeah, as, you, as, you, as you go to... You can't really speak uh, Kuatoan. You may look like a, a slightly smashed up Kuatoan, but you, you definitely can't speak the language as you go to jabber in his face. He gives you that kind of... He's got a very good bedside manner, as all nurses and doctors have to, as he gets you in a vice-like grip and uh, puts you back on the table. As he, he turns his back and he goes to like start rifling through various jars and polstices. He's got glass jars and things with wizened little bodies held in oils and gelatinous things. He's he's looking for something. Um I'm going to I'm gonna cast Gust. 
and just try and blow all his stuff around and cause a distraction and then jump out the window if I can. Have you <laughs> have you still got um, the thing where you can understand the language he speaks? You think you cast I, something? I have that for an you... hour, yeah. So, so everyone oh, you're still well within yeah, your hour. Yeah. Okay. But I can't speak. I can only comprehend. You can only comprehend. Um, as uh, yeah, you cast gust, and a sudden burst of wind exudes from out of you, and you see all of his his, his rundown ramshackle shelf collapses. Basically, oh. he's then like landslide under like shattered met- uh, glass and pottery. As you see, he's covered in like sticky oils, powders. Um, He's got various, like, flapping organisms which were, like, held in glass jars over him as he's currently, like, trying to wrestle um, a dolphin fetus uh, out of his mouth, (laughs) which has got squished onto him. As you you hear him, like, moaning as uh, you just hear him say, Oh, this is not good. No, no. This is the last thing I wanted in my mouth. (laughs) As he turns, as you as you hot tailor out of the window, make me an acrobatics check. Great, with disadvantage because I'm a crocodile. Um, so that's four plus one five. Five. Um, that's some true. <laughs> that's some true homebrew like madness. I like that, giving, you, giving yourself yeah, disadvantage because it just gives five. the image of a crocodile trying to climb out a window. Yeah. As you as you climb through the window as, as a crocodile, you hear behind you the old man who's just rolling around in various medicinal powders. You see, like, he's managed to, like, jab himself with various needles as he's like, oh, this is not good. Oh, shiza. Oh, shiza. This is going to take a lot of explaining. I'm going to lose my medical license. I can feel it. As he turns around, he's like, "Oh, where has the sardine gone?" As 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 you you've you've nailed it out the window. Unfortunately, you've managed to snag your robes on a nail, and you've just been left butt naked uh, out in the communities. You're now like a naked sardine. Um, oh, that's just the, that's just. I mean, in a certain in a certain viewpoint, that's just a sardine. <laughs> You're a naked sardine on the run. Um, and that's sung by Wings. Um, Naked Sardine on the right, yes. Yeah, it's one of uh, Mother McCartney's <laughs> post drug so, era. Um, God, so I'm outside the doctor. Um, yes. I can't remember. Was I aware of. Did, did I know where Kate had gone to? Or, I think I. Uh, no, you don't know where Kato is. You're currently on the top of the map. So. From where you are, you can you can't quite see because there's a set of buildings um, between you and where Maud is. But you're aware of where Maud Hanash and Aristobulus would be, um, and you would have no idea where Tati is, let alone that the other place was a school. But you can hear from the right hand side. You can hear a large voice screaming, "Unhand me, you brigand!" Which sounds oh, a lot like it. Okay, I'm going to waddle, do, do my uh, sardine waddle towards the school. So. Staying very low to the ground, the naked sardine does the salmon dance. Like, you're doing a little, like, very low little waggle along the floor. Uh, make me... Oh, God. What do you need to make me? A waddle check? <laughs> yeah, make me, make me a stealth check. Um, ooh, 19 plus 1, 20. 19. Um, never before has 
the naked sardine ever managed to blend so carefully with fungi as you just weave your way in and around the giant fungi forest. Um, occasionally, you see a small little fishling dart around as you have to try and not alert uh, the playing Kuatoa to your presence as you tiptoe uh, butt naked around the back of the various, like, ramshackle houses, stopping short at one point to hide behind a bunch of sacks of refuse as um, a mum drags her child back from school. Clearly the child's been kicked out of school for doing something, as you see them, like, aggressively dragged into a house as you very nearly get yourself detected. As you make your way round the back of the school, uh, you can you can see Tatty and Barbara. Uh, it's hard to do, quite hard to hide a wolf in an underground. At this point, uh, we're gonna pan, we're gonna pan back to Maud. Maud, what are you doing with your makeshift mast, sails, driftwood, and rigging? Well, I, I just had a, a thought. You're building a tank. So these these fish people. Yes. How adapt to how how good are they? How good are they at seeing? What's their vision like? Their, their vision's pretty good. I mean, they've got dark vision. They they they're evolved from organisms that are used to staying fairly well secluded in the dark. So, but do they do they mostly go on smell? Do they are they mostly visual? Mostly visual. Okay, damn it. Yeah. I was gonna have to rub myself on the dead man to make sure that they didn't smell me, but now it doesn't matter. So fine. My God, this is like Predator, but you're going, like, so you're much. going full Walking Dead, but with fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my God, this is brilliant. Yeah, I was going to say that's absolute. That's like the most moored thing I've ever heard. Yeah, if you want to get a first base with a corpse, yeah, please. I'd like to uh, like to go to go over to the corpse and use a bit of my uh, voodoo wood that I haven't used yet. I'll poke it a bit. And then what I'd like to do is get like get somebody's blood and just go like this. <laughs> okay, okay. This is by far the riskiest thing. What what are we doing with um Hanash and Aristobulus whilst Maud is about to go full commando? So Hanash and Aristobulus are on the, the top left building, right? Yeah, they were they were near Maud. Yeah. Um, are they supporting Maud? Are they what are they? Uh, so Maud is fucking around with a dead, a dead body. He is um, always. M- Maud's about to set off to the, to the drowning pool from the top left hand. But I'm just wondering, are Aristobulus and Hanash going to help her or? Yeah, I'm just are thinking. They, have they got their own thing going on at this point? Can, um, can Aristobulus give, give Maud the help action with what she's, going to do with this dead body to give her advantage to give her on advantage on whatever like um role she needs to she needs to make no doubt he can what does that give her advantage on something is it the equivalent of uh being inspired uh yeah it's just it just gives her advantage on whatever role i guess if she's like playing with a playing with a corpse or like using part of the corpse to, dis- <laughs> playing with a corpse. to disguise herself like aristobulus that's that's so aristobulus uh, he'll uh, he'll get in on that. Can he uh, can he support me by uh, backing me up vocally and singing? I've had the time of my life. I'll ask me a <laughs> level over myself. Of 
Before you set off, Aristobulus waddles over to you with his greasy and slightly dank silk robes of stars as he takes your blue hand in his and he says, Oh, I don't pretend to really understand you. We're from very different cultures. You're blue. I'm old. But I've always considered you to be a friend. We're about to do the, we're about to do the fucking, what is it? Like the, 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 the wedding thing, like something old, something new, something borrowed and something blue. <laughs> you just need to find something borrowed and something new now. It's a fresh corpse. <laughs> Aristobulus. Aristobulus is like, is it just me or is there something here between us? Ugh, get off me. <laughs> what? Look, what? <laughs> <laughs> just slowly involuntarily wretch we all we all know that aristobulus only has eyes for theolian <laughs> aristobulus is like i may have slightly misread this situation <laughs> i thought that we were no okay. i'd just like to hiss at him and walk, walk over to the corpse he grabs your hand before you go and he says look if i can do nothing else for you could i give you a blessing you you can sing you can sing to me as he looks at you, he looks you dead in the eyes. He lets go of your hand. He just starts singing. I feel it in my fingers. <laughs> I feel it in my toe. <laughs> Love is all around us. Come on, Hanash, join me. <laughs> Hanash enthusiastically starts clapping. But out of time. <laughs> Hanash claps on the offbeat. <laughs> Uh, right, Maud, you take a uh, you take some sort of inspiration there, so you get advantage on whatever the hell you're going to do. What am I going to roll? I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. Right, first of all, you're going to roll a, you're going to roll me a stealth check. Nineteen. Pew 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 pew. Nineteen. Bloody hell! Staying low to the ground, you start weaving your way. Like towards the drowning pool, as you suddenly see. Can I do small... the worm over there? <laughs> you stay low to the ground, dragging your tiny blue body across the mud and silt at the bottom of the cave. As ahead of you, you see a small shoal of fishermen improvising quickly. You rip up a giant mushroom and you use it as cover. Using a giant mushroom as a umbrella, you slowly waddle your way over to, he said the birthing pool, the drowning <laughs> pool. As you make your way to the edge of the drowning pool, you, you see all the uh, skeletons of the abandoned drowned bodies that have been left here since they've been uh, offered up to the Kuatoan gods. As you see the still, the still warm body of the recently drowned young man. Uh, I'd like to put my fingers directly into his guts. <laughs> Where all the best smelly bits are. Okay. Have you got a dagger or some sort? No, but I've got claws. Jesus Christ, <laughs> this just turned into sore, didn't it? As looking over, looking for Kuatoans everywhere, you just go shing and take out your claws as you slice open his gut as the putrid foul smell of intestinal gas 
starts seeping out of his gut as the bloat's already, I don't know, he hasn't been dead that long, probably too much intestinal bloat, as you see the hoops and loops of uh, intestine spill out of his stomach cavity as uh, you can see steam rising off Hmm. the uh, newly disemboweled body of the corpse. What I would like to do is instead of smearing him all over myself, um, I'd like to I'd like to draw a cat on my face with it. Nice. Like face painting. Okay. Uh, take it. What are you using here? Are you using his blood? Are you using like he's? You're probably going to have semi-digested pies. Like, just, what, what are you? just a mixture of like blood and you know blood and goop. Okay, you you uh, doing doing yourself up like hentai Barbie? You uh, basically smear. Um, no, no, that's getting all sorts of nose. Okay, not like that at all. <laughs> you um, yeah, you you basically smear the the best parts of offal of the poor drowned soul all over you as you you become a hot, sticky, dark brown mess do i look a bit like um like a blue version of one of those kids at a shit fair you know, <laughs> with their parents where they ask for spider-man basically oh it's me <laughs> um you not to use the way it's hard to know what you look like i mean at the moment you look like an aborted smurf fetus like it's you're blue and sticky and red and... But not in like, America. I was about to say, this is going to play so well in America. Oh, this is going to go well. Right, yeah. Too many fetuses. We've, we've, we've reached our fetal count. Um, sorry, there's a fetal limit. Otherwise, we have to become like explicitly rated. Um, okay, already, so what's your... We're already rated. We're already rated. It's fine. So, Maud, stay with me here. I feel like I'm losing you. What are, what are you... You've just made yourself into the fetus of a Smurf. What exactly are you doing with that? Well, I'm having an artistic moment. What, what did you do with all the stuff that you made out of driftwood and sail and planking and rigging? What the hell was that all about? Well, I was I was trying to make voodoo dolls for the fish people in case they turned nasty. Um, do you know voodoo? Do you know voodoo? Like like we know voodoo? Voodoo. Do you do voodoo? <laughs> you do? Uh, can't be that fucking hard, can it? Like, get a piece of wood, and they come too close to you. Like, stick some googly eyes on it. They come too close to you. Stab them with it. Like, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah, from my Ladybird Book of Voodoo. I'm pretty sure that's about right. Uh, okay, we're going to leave you. We're going to leave you on the edge of the drowning pool, covered in ichor and gore. Now, my question to you before we move on is... Um, are you going to try and put the corpse back as you found it, or are you just leaving him like a sort of eviscerated crash dummy, just spread-eagled all over the floor? Well, I, I read somewhere once that um, it said if, In the you, Daily Mail. if you can't, um, if you can't, if you're not happy during your day, do what your dog does. And that is, if you can't piss on it, shit on it, or eat it, kick, kick dirt on it, and wander away, something like that. <laughs> it's like the um, it's like the dog version of Marie Kondo. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kick him, like as I walk, just kick him back into the pool. Okay, we subscribe to very different Pinterest boards. I'm going to put that out there right now. 
yeah, sure. Still dripping. Uh, you managed to unhook yourself from various like loops of his intestines as you you fist them back into his cavity. Too much effort. Ju- Just kick him in. Too much effort. Okay, you drag him by his hoops of intestines uh, till he's roughly in the right place, and then just fling the intestine back on top of him. Ooh, uh, he looks like a badly tossed meat salad as you just leave him on the side of the drowning pool. You already start to see various flies and effluents are, are starting to kind of form around him. Okay, as uh, you're you're in a dark place. Um, as we quickly pan back to Aristobulus, he turns to Hanash and is like, I took a risk there. And judging by her mood, I'm going to say I dodged a bullet. <laughs> I think you did, buddy. Yeah. I've Come closer, good, let but... me stab you with my googly eye stick. That's the body language I'm reading. That's the body language I'm reading. Right. Okay, so we now have, we've got Tatty, we've got a wolf, and we've got a naked sardine camped outside of a school full of kids who are prodding and poking Cato. As I guess we should probably get to Gaspard the spider. Uh, you see Gaspard, like, weaving. He's doing very well. He's fairly nimble for a man who's, like, dragging a pulsating sack of cannonballs behind him. Um, you you see Gaspard has got something in mind. You didn't really make up a... Uh, you didn't make a code word, but you know... You're going to know the... Um, you're going to know the distraction when you see it. Um, Gaspard gets himself up high on a shelf, and he looks down at the group of school children, and he, he finds the gammiest-looking school child, the weak gazelle, um, if you will. Um, he picks out the weediest and whiniest of the children. He's got one fin. One fin. No, he's not got one fin. Why would eyes pointed off like this. Lazy eye that just, like, droops down. His gills are no, inside. No, he's that kid. Everyone, everyone had a kid like that in their class. There was always one kid who, like, if you talked to them, they'd go blue and die. Like, they just uh, sat in the corner being fairly And if there homeless. wasn't one, then it was you. Yeah, that was me. Oh. oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your windpipe would shut and you'd just collapse if anyone talked to you. Yeah. Um, no, we, we had a kid. Uh, he always smelled faintly of Marmite and he had really sticky hands. All right, I wasn't, I wasn't that guy. <laughs> yeah, Gerard. We had a kid called Gerard. who's always like had really clammy hands, and he smelled faintly of marmite. But anyway, okay, um, fuck that guy. Never marmite. So Gaspard, from high up on his vantage point, spies the gammy kid. It's the kid who's off on his own. He he looks like slightly drier than the rest of the little like fishlings, and uh, looks like he's got some visible eczema. And uh, all the other kids aren't playing with him as Gaspard slowly circles round the edge of the room. Catching your eye as he says, "This is this is our moment." As uh, the small child is fixated um, with a small bouncing ball, as Gaspard slowly, slowly, slowly crawls up the back of the child's shoulder, leg by leg by leg by leg, until he is on the child's shoulder. You hear the little giggles of the socially awkward, poorly child with the visible eczema. As he's like, as he plays with his little ball, as Gaspard slowly, 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 slowly crawls up the child's nostril, as you see 
Oh, gas drag himself up the child's nostril, and you see the egg sac getting mm-hmm. stuck la, on the child. La, la, yes, as the little child is like, and just starts rolling on the floor as all the other kids turn around. As you just see the egg sac pulsating as it's he's jamming it up the nose. As you uh, yes. the egg sac squeeze and bolt, and there's a bit where you see the fabric of the egg sac about to explode as you hear a <laughs> noise as he's up inside the child's head cavity now. Wow. Just public warning, wow. it's not a real child, it's a fictional fish child. As you see the child rolling around on the floor, just swatting at his head as all the other kids look round, and the teacher throws Kato to one side and rushes towards the kid. Okay, so he's thrown Kato to, to one side. Uh, can I... Um, do I see a, a path that I can, I can sneak over to Kato and grab him without being seen, essentially? I mean, at this point, all of the children are in like a ring. Do you know that thing? Whenever your teacher was like, there's nothing to see here, calm down. A bit like when the police turn up at a crime scene and they're like, nothing to see here. Everyone kind of congregates because they know something cool's about to happen. Just like all the other little fish things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. 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 All the, I mean, high crime school. All the other fishlings are all crowded around looking at little like Wilhelm who's um, on the floor just like grabbing his like sinal cavity. Just like rolling around, flaming. Not flaming. Not flaming. He's not on fire. He's rolling around, swatting at his nasal cavity. Mm. Okay. Um, can I? Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna turn to Barbara and Belsiar and just say, "Wait here. I'm gonna go get Ko, and then we're gonna we're gonna bounce." Um, okay. I, I I turn to Tati and I go, and I'm like, "Oh wait, no. I can still speak normally." Um, do you, I can run in and cause a fish distraction? Awesome. I mean, keep an eye out. If, if it looks, if it looks like I'm, uh, if it looks like I'm in need of assistance, I might, I might turn around and give you the signal. Okay. Um, I, what's, what's um, the signal? It will be me in danger, looking at you as if to say, "Please help me." Okay. okay. Make me also. But as we go on here, we just need to point out. I think I've permanently distressed Maud. All that talk of all the talk of. I'm not even going to say it. No, I think, make it work. I think I think Maud might have been sick in the sink just the, then. The line, the line is a dot to you. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Glad. Hey, it comes with a disclaimer. It comes with a disclaimer. Sleeping in the gardens, the disclaimer. <laughs> uh, right. So just before we kick off this little heroic adventure, I'd just like to point out, Belsia, that. Barbara is looking at you very suspiciously. You smell like Belsiar, but you do not look like Belsiar. I give her a little, or tried to give her a little pat on the head, like, don't, don't worry, Barbara. It's... Make an animal handling check. Uh, ooh, 20. Not 20. She is very, very... Do you know, like, when you're a kid and your aunt gives you a kiss? Nope. It's, like, the most (laughs) awkward kind of, like, you're, like, get off. Um, Yeah, it's that kind of awkward, okay, I think I know what you're doing, but I'm only going to do this because you'll probably, you know, feed me later. I think that might need unpacking. Hey, very, very complicated relationship with my aunt. (laughs) Very, very complicated. Right. (laughs) All right. Um, right. I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) Um, Right, come on in, Tatty. I'm going to need you to make me a stealth check. With advantage, because everyone's distracted. 
No. Oh, come on. No. Come on. Okay. One roll. Here we go. Uh, it's a 23. Yeah, 23. 23. You are like shadow itself, as years of training have taught you how to stalk across a rug with various stools on it. And you, you somehow managed to blend into the play equipment, uh, just ducking and diving into a ball pit and just rolling around and swimming and coming out the other side. You go into a little fabric tunnel and just come out the other side as Kato is just weeping gently on the floor as he, he's like, oh, I have been abused. I'm going to, um, oh. I'm going to, I'm going to scoop him up gently uh, and just like, just like, I, I imagine his feathers are like a little bit ruffled, like in that kind of stressed way. So I'm just going to like try and like stroke his feathers on the back of his head and then like, and put him on my shoulder, and uh, I'll just say, uh, we'll get you out of here. Don't, don't worry. That is most kind of you. Would you be able to pick up my primary feather down there? I think we may be able to salvage it. How far away is it? It's about two feet away. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll grab it. <laughs> As you pick up various feathers, he's like, I really do appreciate this. I'm very sorry. I shed under stress. Okay, that's, that's fine. I am reanimated after all. Nope, no worries, bud. Um... Most birds at my age have started losing feathers. No, okay. Feels feels like this is something different we need to get into, but maybe maybe wait until after we've we've uh, completed Operation Kindergarten Cop. It's at this point as you as you stroll your way back, you stand on top of a squeak toy as you pause, look over, just as the teacher goes to turn his head to see what the noise was, you just hear an explosion and a scream as you see thousands of little spiders exploding out of the nasal cavity of a small child um, as everyone starts screaming and like running in all directions. You're going to have to make your, your way very quickly back out of the window. Yeah, I'm going to just try and hold on to Kato the best I can so that he doesn't get hurt in the, uh, in the uh, jump, tuck and roll out of the window. Okay, make me an acrobatics check. Okay. Uh, 14. 14. With a, with a dodge, a swing, a roll, and a tuck, you make your way back across the classroom, launching yourself through the window. You land in, uh, the filth and muck outside as you slowly hand the very forlorn looking form of the crow back to the sardine belsier. I give him one, I give him one more little, little like, stroke on the back of his on the back of his head just to make sure that he's all right and then i give him back i take kato and i say i thought i'd never see you again not that i cared kato looks at you for a while tilts his head to one side and just says do you speak english (laughs) (laughs) i say shut up you you daft crow (laughs) yes i mean we really must have a conversation sometime. Why are you dressed as a uh, herring? Um, it's a long story. Seems like a good idea at the Excellent. time. Okay. Well, I'm just glad you're alive. Unlike that small fishling in there. That's more than can be said for him. As um, you feel a little shuffle on your shoulder, Tatty, as you, you look over and Gaspard is visibly panting on your shoulder. Uh, I'm going to just 
very lightly like offer my hand for a fist bump. As the the little spider like comes up with two feet and they fist bump you. Now, have you ever seen the film Aliens? Yeah. Do you remember when the alien queen rips the egg sack off herself in her like bid to <laughs> take Ripley out at the very end? She she's uh, basically he's he he looks like he's he's lost his back half. Mm. Um, it'll you know I'm I'm no entomologist, but we'll work out what happens to a spider that loses his egg sack. They uh, they took a piece of their ass with the egg sack as well. Yes, as Gas- Gaspard Gaspard is in a weakened form as you um, shuffle him into a little matchbox in your bag and put him away as. He goes down saluting. <laughs> uh, my work here is done. Legs. Oh, what a spider. If it has gills, we can kill it. <laughs> it is, if it has a nose, I can lay eggs in it. <laughs> at, this point, at this point, we're going to pan back to Mort. He's looking disgusted. Did we, did we, did we say, actually, that... Um... Hanash and Aristobulus would have followed more to the drowning pool. Uh, they were on their way to, yeah. yeah. They, they took a bit of a slow turn to get there because uh, because of the awkward like exchange between Maud and Aristobulus. They, ju- they just took their little bit of time. They were just sharing relationship advice. Yeah, that's cool. It's just two dudes hanging out in a fish village. Yeah, hanging out in a fish village. Taking in the sights. Right, before we get there, we're going to have a very quick drinks break. Okay. I feel like we've covered, we've covered some interesting stuff in this first half. Well, was, was Chanel ready for it? No. Chanel's never going to be ready for that. <laughs> I think you're going to die. It's like a... It's like... <laughs> the, the hearing uh, spider eggs bursting out of a spider. Bye! Don't say the words. That poor fishling. (laughs) She's gone. And with that note, I will be right back. Oh, (laughs) Willie. Hello. You speak to Banksy? Yes. I am fluent. Come say hello. Which one's that? Little baby hick. Oh. Hello, boys. He knows, like, exactly. He can, he can, like, actually disable me with, like, a kung fu strike to my, like, throat. If I, oh, really? If I, if I pick him up and he doesn't want to be picked up, he can actually, like, make me choke by just going, like, <laughs> Wowzer. You know, you know, it's his house, and you're just living in it now at this point. Well, you, we, funny you should, because last time we were at the vet, like someone was weighing their dog, and their dog weighed six kilos, and we were like, Zeus weighs eight kilos. <laughs> Zeus weighs more than some dogs and some people. He's not even, he's not even like fat. He's just dense. Yeah. Well, now you're just being hurtful. <laughs> right. Apparently, I'm not allowed to mention spiders again. So, right. well, you fucked up. You just did, so... Oh, I mentioned them in an oblique reference. Okay. Let's call them Leggy Boys. Leggy Boys? No, no, uh, spiders and nostrils references. 
<laughs> gotcha. Any other orifices allowed? Or I'm going to uh, say no. What about like beetles in their ears? No, no. no. Probably not a good way to go. Why are you like this? <laughs> um, I was dropped a lot as an adult. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. I think the title of this should be I was dropped a lot as an adult. <laughs> I was dropped a lot as an adult. Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, we can we can get that in the bag. Just to know, the, the, the episode that I'm putting out this week, which is episode 39 for our listeners, I write, I make notes as I edit the podcast. And then normally there's one or two perspective titles. For episode 39, the possibilities are Flaming Chihuahuas, Loose Silk Flaps, Mary Crockins, <laughs> Four Play and Third Degree Burns, Apple, Cart Horses and Lube, Seminole breadcrumbs or the forbidden mansies? <laughs> I think I, 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 I mean, Mary Crockins gets my vote. Yeah. Either way. But I think, I think we need to stay away from some of the titles that are like one thing and another thing because I've seen we've done that quite a few times. Okay. Okay. Mary Crockins works. Yeah. You're running away from the port zoom card and there's a bit where Belsia is suddenly like, hang on, I can fly. And then you just take off into the sky. And somebody described you as like a leathery Mary Poppins. Mary Crockins. It was only in editing. I was like, shit, I missed missed a moment where I could have said Mary Crockins. You can put that in. We won't tell anyone. Yeah, I mean, I I could could post it. Until we do like behind the scenes in 30 years. As we pan back to the drowning pool with Maud covered in... In, I mean, the stomach contents and viscera of a poor young man. Um, Maybe he deserved it. Well, I mean, he was he was he was judged and found wanting. I mean, he uh, he did not get his you know. puffin badge. <laughs> Genuinely, about the only badge I got. Swimming has never been my forte. Um, I was the only kid that was allowed to do whips instead of lengths at the school swimming gala. <laughs> I, in the end, it just got so painful. They didn't let me compete. I was just had to stand on the side holding the timer. <laughs> wow. You, became, you got really good at counting. No, I tried really hard. It all came to a head one year where I tried a length competitively in a swimming gala, but I got confused and I got tangled up in the lane ropes. There were ropes that ran down, and I had to get hoiked out. Have you ever seen in back in the eighties in school swimming lessons? They used to have a long wooden pole with a like hook on the end. They could hoik kids out the pool with. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. I got hoiked out the pool. Anyway, did you not do the a... swimming in your pajamas to get the brick at the bottom of the pool? Uh, I think later yeah. in life I had to do that with the cadets, but I was much more confident with swimming by that point. I was a late bloomer with water. Anyway, there you go. Completely derail the podcast with tales about myself. Are you surprised? No. Uh, right, what are you doing, Maud? You're covered in stomach juice and... Well, I've kicked him back into the pool now. You've thrown him into the pool? Yeah, I kicked him back into the pool. Excellent. He wasn't in the pool to start with, but you've thrown him into the pool. As his lifeless body floats face down in the pool with various strings of intestines, a bit like uh, somebody's just scattered sausages about the place. Yep, and now I'm going off to find everybody else. 
Well, as you turn around, do you see Hanash and Aristobulus walking hand in hand, talking socially? Uh, and as they come near you, they both go very quiet, and you realise they're probably talking about you, but they got a little bit embarrassed at the last minute. Are they actually hand in hand? Sure. Yeah, they're hand in hand, but not in an awkward way, not in an intimate way, in a friendly way. That's quite, yeah. It's quite sweet. Yeah. Uh, and they meet you on the edge of the pool as Hanash just jaw hangs open looking at you as Aristobulus just looks at you for a while and, and basically just says, I would like to withdraw my offer of intimacy that I made earlier. I, I involuntarily retch again. <laughs> <laughs> Cough up a hairball at his feet and walk off. I've never been more flaccid than I am at this moment. Don't lie. I like, I like more draws, draws the line past covering yourself in entrails. But before Aristobulus. <laughs> Thanks for the Aristobulus. That's a bit unhygienic, though. Yeah. Just, you yeah. might catch something. Yeah. Maud was built for savagery. Do pet me with your eye. Right. What's what's your plan? What are you doing with all of this? Um or, or, is the, or is the end of your plan just to cover yourself in Oh me? No, like in, yeah. in a way that like where when a dog thinks that it's gonna be attacked, it rubs itself on anything else so that predators like don't come and find it. That's what I was doing. I was disguising my natural smell. So <laughs> they wouldn't come and find me. Dog facts, guys. Get him here first. Adventurers Anonymous. Da da da. <laughs> Sounded like the start of a tune, but just didn't go. Da da da. Sounds like Dean Martin having a stroke. <laughs> right. Excellent. Right. So, Maud. So, if we go into battle, if I weave about a bit because their little eyes are either side of their heads and not going to be able to see me or smell me. Sure. I mean, that's how Jurassic Park worked. So if uh, if one of them runs away, you could also make a lasso out of entrails. Also, I could do this. So as you're all crouched down on the end of uh, the... keep wanting to call it a birthing pool. And I've been... I've actually been at a birthing pool. I mean, and if, it's you're still amb- if you're ambitious enough, any pool can be a birthing pool. <laughs> now that, now that's no. a callback. That's, that's how you do comedy. I mean, I see what you did there. No, I mean, it'd be unfortunate if you drowned in a birthing pool, but it would be like the circle of life completing itself. Um, so, narrative. Come on, people, let's hold on tight. Maud, as you're dick-arsing around covered in entrails and viscera, you hear a cheer come up from the side of the village. As you look around, you see that the people have caught some more willing victims, the Kuatoans. And uh, you now see, you can't see from the citizens, but they appear to have got two more victims. And they're bringing them towards the birthing, not the birthing pool, towards the drowning pool. Um, what are you going to do? You've obviously, you're next to the shaman's hut, so. Why do I need to do anything? Right, they caused it for themselves. Yeah. So you're just going to stand there and expose yourselves to the Kuatorans. I think... Um, well, they can't see me if I keep moving. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that works great for you, but the giant green furry man and the pervert Looking in a silk commander. Adventurers Anonymous, here we go. Fish facts, dog facts, everything. 
Go on, Chris. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, uh, I think if um, if Aristobulus, Hanash, and Maud are all at the drowning pool, yeah, Ar- yeah, yeah, yeah. Aristobulus is going to use locate object um, yes. to look for the Earth Emmental. Would that work? I'm not 100% sure of the rules, and I don't want to be a rules Nazi, but doesn't he need to have seen it? You, uh, it says that describe or name an object that is familiar to you. Okay. So because it says name an object, and because we did have those visions when we were in the, or at least I had those visions when we were in the church, right? Okay, okay. I'm I'm liking, I'm warming up to this idea. Uh, make me, in all of that, make me a perception check and I will... Uh, that's a dirty 20. Oh, amazing. So um, he's using locate object, yeah? Yeah, I've got, yeah. I've got the rules up. So if you need to ask anything, please. If you want to bring it full circle, uh, the material component is a forked twig, which is what Maud picked up right at the beginning. Uh, yeah, so bringing this all together. We've got Maud covered in entrails and gore and viscera standing next to the drowning pool. As you hear in the background the roar and cheer of the Kuatoans as they realize another sacrifice has wandered into their lair. Um, and you hear the people all, you know, this is entertainment. A little bit like, you know, in ye olde England where the gallows were a form of entertainment, much like, you know, X Factor or Britain's Got Talent. People keep, People came out to see executions and this has a whole religious angle to it as well as you hanash and aristobulus start talking with each other and they 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 realize with everything going on they need to find the fifth emmental the earth emmental if you will as aristobulus looks around and says all right i know what i gotta do as he looks over at maud who's dripping in entrails and covered in intestines as he looks down at the front of his trousers, he sees the front of his trousers start to rise up. As he looks up at Maud, as he looks down, as he looks up, he's like, oh, God, this is going to be... Oh, God, give me a moment. <laughs> as you see his divining rod rise into the middle of his silk kimono, as he is like, you just see sweat bucketing off him. As he is like, this is expert level stuff. <laughs> I cannot do this. He's about to pass out. He's, he's literally like, you see, you see his divining rod is waggling straight at the shaman's hut. Ooh. Okay. Um, okay. So now that Tati, Barbara, Belsiar, and the fucking menagerie um, uh, outside the school, can can I can Tati make a perception check to see if he can see uh, Maud Honash and Aristobulus outside the drowning pool? Absolutely, you can, sir. Uh, it's an eighteen. Eighteen. There's a cheer going up on the other side of the community complex. That only means two things to you. It either means your friends have been found, or there's a distraction of some sort going on over there. So your attention is naturally drawn over to that side. Okay. Um, I guess Aristobulus, either verbally or non-verbally, 
with his divining rod, uh, leads Hanash and Maud into the shaman's hut, and uh, Tati is going to point, he's going to gesture to Belsiar and, and Barbara and say, um, I think we should start heading head into the center. I think there's something going on over there. As you, as you two weave your way out of giant magic mushrooms and around about ducking and, you know, falling behind bits of flotsam jets of driftwood and rocks, you make your way back over to the rear end of the shaman's hut. Entering into the shaman's hut itself, um, Maud, you and Aristobulus and, uh, Hanash make your way into the shaman's hut. Now this is, more of a shanty hut. It's made of driftwood. It's not very well made. It's got a real kind of sinister air to it at the best of times because there's all sorts of kind of uh, wizened bodies of various dried and desiccated animals that have been nailed to the doorpost. It's a pretty grim kind of visage of a hut. As you come towards the entrance, there's there's a bangly kind of... Um, Can I just pass? Yes. You know, in, in the way that when you go into like a fisherman's hut, they have yes. like the big fish nailed to a board. <laughs> have they got people like, or like hands <laughs> nailed to a board? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we said all sorts of things that have been uh, drowned are now kind of like nailed up. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. yeah they've got like the full on. They've got like the full on plaques that usually they have fish on, but it's just like a, it's just a, a yeah. person, just like a toddler, a toddler that was lost at sea. Yes, General. Yes. We, we, we went there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's everything and anything. I mean, um, they're, they're not the smartest. They've nailed, uh, lighthouse keepers. They've nailed, um, tour guides. Like there's, there's all sorts there. Dolphins, porpoises, anything, anything that comes into their layer, they're, they're, they're going to go for. They're, these are some real sex positive, uh, fishes then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anything that lands on the end of their line, uh, you you see a small children's doll that clearly they've attempted to drown and just nailed to the to the hut. Like there's there's everything and anything there. Hmm. When you go on uh, Tinder in the in the fish village, is it just pictures of men holding up children they've caught? Um, I think it's called Finder. <laughs> in there. In there. Worst dad joke ever. Uh, I mean, Belsia, as you're sneaking your way back across the compound, it does occur to you that in a small, close-knit community like this, inbreeding must be a real problem. And you do worry about the sexual health of some of these fish people. But being that they probably lay their eggs upstream and it's just a race to, you know, fertilize them, you, you don't know whose eggs you yeah. Yeah, it's just one big caviar bukake. <laughs> I can't tell if lay your eggs upstream is like a, a, a reference to something or like a, it sounds like a really hokey bit of life advice. Laying your eggs upstream. I'm no, not 100% like, sure. Like, don't poop where you not eat. Yeah, lay your eggs upstream. Don't, like, lay your eggs upstream, not downstream in my mind when i said it i actually had the whole like row 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 your boat <laughs> gently <laughs> up the stream. Pants off, trousers down, lay your... No, hang on, right. So, yeah, it, it, it's that's where my brain went. Yep. And I'm sober right now. I'm just very, very, very tired. Um, Right, good, glad, glad we had that moment. Right, sorry, Maud, 
Uh, yes, the bodies of all of the things that have washed up and been drowned have been nailed around the place. Now, that's not as a warning. No, that's not to scare people off. Do you know when you go to a cathedral and you've got all the candles and you go and you see all the like lovely, it's the same sort of, it, they're, they're prayers. Except, you know, sometimes people write on a bit of paper, fold it up and put it in a prayer box and other people nail their prayers to a cabin. Anyway, coming up to the door, he's got, instead of, do you know, like in a pawn shop where they've got all the beads, um, instead of that, it's shells. So there's sort of like a... That's pretty. Yeah. Are you going in or are you just going to... Stand around silently. Just stand there looking at all of the nailed, like, dead corpses to the side of the... It's a lot to take in. Um, yeah, uh, Tati's going to lead the way in did you say that we found we'd got round to the the back entrance to that to that hook? at this point i don't mind if you want to link up you're running out of time you can hear you can hear generally people are somebody or something is being dragged to the drowning pool wow what was uh, that chanel was that you what that just wow. sounded like the moon landing <laughs> that was the sound effect but Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, what, I won't what, do that. What's that? That hold on. That was the the Mac has I've worked out. It's got the sound on either side of the keyboard, but it's really nice and warm. And I like putting my hand there. <laughs> <laughs> You've been rubbing your hand against the microphone. I didn't know it was a microphone. I didn't Excellent. know it was a school, guys. <laughs> this, it was just warm. Sometimes I like to put like a bit of chocolate there and just wait for it to get a bit warmer. Yeah. And somehow this is more disgusting than what happened in the first half of this podcast. Right. It isn't. <laughs> okay, look, all of you making your way back together in a group, you come round the front of the shaman's hut, you Join back together. Tatty, you're just excited to see everybody. You bang into something. You feel a jabbing. It's it's not even in your thigh because you're low to the ground. You feel a jab in your shoulder as you look over and you just see the engorged form of Aristobulus pointing directly into the um, shaman's hut as he's like, I don't want to make a big thing out of this, but uh, it has spoken and that little thing in your raggledy diary is in there. Awesome. I'm going to gonna just gesture to everyone else and like point in the direction that Aristobulus's divining rod is is pointing and then start to like make my way into the hut like go like pie slicing like checking the corners and fucking with your bow have you got your bow no 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 i'm just i'm literally just doing that oh you're doing your hand i'm just doing that with my hand it wouldn't make sense with a bow you'd be like so are you are you going <laughs> are you going first or is Aristobulus going first? Um, I guess I'll I'll go first just to like check the the entrance. Uh, okay, maybe just this is how this is going to go. As you make your way up, the, uh, there's like a ramp, like a sort of earthen mound that goes up to the front of the shaman's um, hut. As you make your way slowly, carefully, with intention, up. Looking back at the pool, you see the floating body of the corpse that Maud has abandoned in there. With a sense of dread and fear in your heart, you make your way up the ramp towards the um, shell beads that 
form or constitute the doorway. There's no door in place, but there is a wall of... Like a shell curtain. Thank you. Like a shell curtain. Thank you. Yeah. I um I make my way up and just like very slowly like move one like move one hand through it so that I can like squeeze my body around and just like check check the the corners around the side of the not the door but like the entryway I guess before I yeah like, make me make me a perception check uh twenty three fuck me you're good at perception yeah as you make your way in slowly carefully and with clear intent you break the line of shells doing your absolute best now with a 23 i'm gonna say you do it with enough intent not to jangle the shells too much as you quietly make your way in the first thing that hits you is a smell of decay and mildew it's just slightly old and everything in there is just a little bit rotted as it's very, very dark in there at first and nothing but shadows. As your eyes are accustomed to the dark, you see it's just one big um, it's one big chamber uh, with a mezzanine. So there's a chamber down below and there's a small mezzanine floor raised above it at the back. And as you look around, it's just like a hoarder's nightmare. Well, no, a hoarder's dream. Probably a hoarder's dream. There's Everything's kind of... All sorts of shit that's been found, um, washed up, has has sort of been dragged in and is in little piles. So there's a pile of skulls, there's there's like a pile of shells, there's a pile of fish bones, there's there's a big pile of tangled fishing nets and hooks and things like that. Are there any interesting skulls? Like uh, rare or valuable skulls? Mm. Well, Tatty's in there, so Tatty's going to have to make me an investigation. Check I was going to say, I'm going oh, to, I'm going to, unless you all want to come in. I was going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to gesture to everyone else to come in. If I've seen that no one else is in here at this point, I'm just going to get everyone else to pile in. As you make a small cooing noise, like a <laughs> kind of noise, <laughs> everything is quiet, 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 and then ever so gently and quietly you see the front of Aristobulus's divining rod break through the shells and just part the shells first as he as he comes through uh, as the rest of you all gather in the darkness. Fucking Flight of the Valkyries starts playing when, when Aristobulus's divining rod goes through the... We can't do any more than that, otherwise we'll get... Uh, Aristobulus is starting to sweat underneath the burden of having to keep 90% of his blood inside his divining rod. Uh, he's looking like an anemic vampire currently. I'm gonna, he's looking um, like a bomb disposal expert. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, uh, grab him by like the elbow or something and, and just like try and lead him around to, to, to like filter down the area of this room that we need to search for this thing. Okay. Okay, you're using him then basically as a metal detector. Yeah, yeah. So you hold Bel- uh, you hold Aristobulus by his shoulder. Difficult. He's taller than you. You you guide him around basically. Now, instead of the clicks of a metal detector, you're going on his groans as you move him away, and the angle forces his divining rod. He goes ah <laughs> as you you're, you're, you you zone in. You calibrate his screams and groans until you start getting a good fix. 
um, on it. Now, the rest of you, Hanash and Ertal, are at the window by the beads, all, not beads, shells, looking out at what's going on. As you realize a small group of people are gathering outside, you're inside and the people gathering outside at this point. As um, Belsia, I need you to make me a perception check. Six. Six. Um, The problem with being a sardine is your facial structure has changed considerably. And the pince knees that you usually wear to see are no longer balanced on the end of your nose. And as you look out of the window at the figures who are gathering, starting to come towards the drowning pool, you realize you can't see shit. It's like you've smeared Vaseline on your eyes. Uh, I'm also naked, so... Oh, yeah, of course, you're also butt naked. Um, so I can't see what's happening. Can I, I, can I use detect thoughts to scan if there's... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Still got comprehend languages as well, so you'll be able to understand. Yes. Let's do that. I'm going to do the old detect thoughts radar. As, as, uh, what range does detect thoughts go up to? Uh, I think it's 30, uh, 30 feet. Yeah. 30 feet as you uh out the front you you start hearing little snippets of thoughts around the place as you as you hear uh, a pair of voices saying what is it as another one says strangers you've come into the village oh does that mean that's going to be a drowning oh there sure is we're going to have ourselves a right good drowning two drownings oh i've not had a good drowning in a while <laughs> as you hear various voices like snagging around all over the place you hear another voice saying oh this is not good no this is not good (laughs) as you just see a greasy covered man like just absolutely slightly like disheveled you see the doctor is um still recovering from he's like excuse me have you seen a sardine looking man he came this way i think (laughs) he's holding up some silk right he's like i think he may be naked (laughs) as you just see him go out of your range of thoughts out the other side looking for you um it's at this point that you hear another voice say oh not two three there's gonna be three people drowned hang on a minute that's not a person it's a goat no tightest time the real moor's gonna come out two boys and the goat have been caught in the outer atrium and are currently being brought Ooh. back towards the drowning pool. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, we need to we need to fucking I assume that Belsiar tells tells us that. Uh yeah, Belsiar, you you Belsiar, how are you going to break the news to Maud? Um I'm not I'm I'm not going to tell her. It's just too too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Do I um do I hear a a, a bale for bleating? Uh, make me a perception check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
14. Yeah, Maud, you are all about that hoarder life. You're just sifting through, like, you find a pile of rather disheveled, sea-dried books that have just been dragged, any old books of all sorts, and you're going through them, and, and out in the back of your mind, out the corner of your ear, you hear a, <laughs> as you stop mid-page. As you turn around, you hear again, <laughs> as you throw down the book waddle across, leaving slick piles of kind of blood on the floor with your feet as you creak across the floorboards as you go to the window and look out and you see Marvin, the angry goat, and the two young men being brought by um, some Kuotoan guards. As as, As you just hear Marvin saying, No! Okay, can someone say this out loud so that I can feel like I can do some, I can try and do something about this? I, um, I, I still refuse to say. <laughs> no, I, I tell, I say, guys, they're coming for us. They've got a goat. I think I recognize the goat, but I don't know. I mean, all goats look the same to me. I'd like to fling the door open and shout, Marvin, what the fuck are you doing here? And storm <laughs> over to Marvin. <laughs> I mean, Marvin Pushing is Pushing the fishy people out of the way as I go. You, you really want to go with that? It You're going to... Bursting out... Onto the front, shells flying in all directions. More get the fuck away from my goat. Explodes onto the <laughs> uh, front of the thing. Loads of fishy heads turn around, all looking at the bedraggled, <laughs> viscera-trailed blue demon with horns, with entrails hanging off her horns, as she just screams at the top of her voice. Get away from her, you bitch! (laughs) As all heads turn towards you. And that is where we're going to leave this week's episode. Yeah! Because that's a very good jumping off point. If we go much further than that, things are either going to get very fighty or very something. Well, there we go. That's a thing that happened. And we got to reference aliens. Twice? Yeah, we did. A few times. Well, that had some moments in it. One of our more successful, well, I mean, until the goat got kidnapped. Kid- kidnapped. <laughs> um, is this going to turn into, um, I'm terrible at cowboy films. Is it Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? What's the one where they end up in a house surrounded as a big shootout? That is they probably Butch die at the end. Cassidy, Sounds like Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Turns out we're all crap at cowboy films. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's gonna. There's gonna be a God Almighty something something that's gonna happen. Hey there, pod. It's just me again. Hope you've enjoyed yourself this week. Well, look. All I can do is apologise for Gaspard's behaviour. Our eight-legged friend is a free-range kind of arachnid. Gaspard does as Gaspard wills. Hopefully he hasn't traumatised you too much. We just wanted to say a huge thanks to all of you for swinging by again. We really appreciate you tuning in for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fuck nuggetry. Now, assuming you made it this far, why not hit that subscribe button and never miss another episode again? It really is that simple. But yet, 
Give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on and help spread the word of our arachnid antics far and wide. Reviews would be much appreciated too. Honestly, if you don't tell us just how much you hate us, we may have to go on making this content forever. You've only got yourself to blame there. Looking for a late birthday gift for your nearest and dearest? Then look no further than our merch store, which you can find at adventurers-anonymous.com. We've got something for every occasion, so whether you need a last-minute baby shower present or just something to soften the blow of a recently jilted lover, we've got your back. Plus, all proceeds go towards helping keep the wheels turning on this podcast and are much appreciated. As ever, we can be found on the socials. We are on Twitter at AnnoAnno1. You can also find us on Facebook and also on Instagram, where you can currently find some rather stunning artwork of our crocoborn friend, Belsiar. So, what are you waiting for? Go track us down and give us a follow on those. That just leaves time to say a huge goodbye from Chris, Matt, Lewis and myself. With any luck, we'll see you back here next week. Happy adventuring, my friends. And remember, stay tipsy. Stay tipsy.